We're in our series called Moxie. Moxie means that you've got some internal strength. Moxie means you've got courage, you've got determination, you've got grit. It, it means that uh, you've got the guts that you need to just kind of press through something. Um, but we're not only talking about moxie, we're actually talking about Christian moxie, which is a bit different. Christian moxie includes all those things. It means you've got guts, you've got courage, you've got grit. But at the same time, it's a rare combination because you also have peace. You also have a joy and a contentment that can't be lost. Because here's the thing, when you're, when, when you're just trying to pull up this moxie on your own, here's what happens. Your situations change. Something happens in your life, and then what happens is you feel like you lo- you're losing it, and you're trying to work it up inside of you, and it doesn't seem to work. Christian moxie means that there's something outside of you that has been put in you. The, there's a secret to having Christian moxie, and, and that's to understand this. You don't muster it up on your own. It's given as a gift by the grace of God. It is completely, completely different. And that's what we're talking about. Because here's why. Your circumstance change, you lose your moxie. Your, but with Christianity, your, your circumstances can do whatever they want to do. But if you've got a God who's absolutely unchanging, then the moxie goes nowhere. It stays right with you. So that's what this series is all about. And last week, here's what we said. We said you either approach God with your record or with Christ's record, and you have to pick one. So you've got your record, you've got Christ's record, and you're going to meet before God the Father, and you're like, okay, how, what am I going to do? Offer my record or Christ's record? And we all have tendency to offer our own record. So we do something like this. We say something like this. God, how are you not giving me the life that I want? I'm working so hard for you. I'm doing all this good stuff. God, you should be giving me the life that I want, the life that I deserve. And we start getting mad at God. And as soon as we do that, here's what we're doing. Here's what you've got to realize you're doing. You're offering up to God your record and not Christ's. This week is saying this, okay, now we've got this new record in Christ, how then should we live? There's an, here's what we're talking about today. There's an end version of you, the version of you that you one day will become, the ultimate version of you, the real you, the end version of you, the ultimate, complete, perfect version of you. You're moving in that direction, but you're not there yet. But here's what's weird. You've been given this perfect record, but you're not yet at perfection. And so today we're talking about what it means to live in this weird area in between, and we're talking about what it means to fight to become the real you. So here's how you got to think about it. For the Christian with moxie, you're closer to Christ than you are to yourself. Here's what I mean. There's a version of you way over here, the ultimate version of you, the completed version of you, and you're right here. This ultimate end version of you, it does not come and meet you where you are, but Christ does. And so what that means is you're actually closer to Christ than you are to yourself. And today, if you want to learn how to fight to become someone of more moxie, here's what you need. You need Christ. So you've got to fight to go to Christ, and you've got to see how he's fighting to get to you. That's how you become the real you. Okay, so let's go, let's go become more of the real you. Here's our verses. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 21. Here you go. 
Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. All right, all right, all right, all right. Paul is telling us about our present reality. Our verses last week told us about our forgiveness. So we have, the Christian has forgiveness of past, present, and future sins. The Christian is absolutely clothed with the perfection of Christ. The, the Christian is seen as perfect in the eyes of God because of their faith in Christ, the beautiful perfection of Christ clothing them. That was our verses last week. And then our verses today end with talking about the completed version of us where we're citizens of heaven, living as we are meant to live all of our lives. This is the end, the goal version of us. And then you have the in-between, where we're at. So let me just summarize this for you real quick. Through faith in Christ, you have been made perfect. And one day you will be perfect confusing, right? So you're made perfect, but one day you will be perfect. So let me just say it a different way. The record of Christ is clothing you, so you're seen as perfect in the eyes of God. But the reality is that you're not perfect. So strive forward to become who you really are. In other words, you have this new record, now live into it. That's what Paul's telling us today. Let me show you in the verses. Paul says in verse 12 that he's already perfect, and then, and then he says in verse 15 that he's mature. Now, here's the weird thing here. The translators got this all messed up. The Greek word for perfect and for mature is the same exact word. So it's saying the same word. It's just using a different translation into English. So here's what that means. Paul is saying he's not perfect, but then he's saying that he is perfect. What in the world is he talking about? Again, it's the same thing. He's been clothed in the perfection of Christ. There's a current, there's a current version of him, but then there's the end version of what he'll one day become. And right now we're living in this in-between time that is so confusing, that's so hard to figure out, that feels so frustrating, but at the same time, that's our reality. We're perfect, but we're not yet made perfect. We're waiting to be completed. Not like you go in the oven and you get completed. Like It's a beautiful journey into this. So he says he presses on to make it his own because Jesus has made him his own. All right. Think of it like this. You're in a race. And you've already been given the medal. You've already been given the gold medal. But the race hasn't, hasn't, the race has just begun. But you've already got this medal. And you're going to get the medal at the end when you complete the race, but just you already have the medal. And so what Paul's saying is live like someone who's going to get the medal in the end. Start becoming the person who you will one day be, but start now. But you've already got the medal. It's weird. 
And this is why people say this so much. I, I don't know if you've ever thought this before. It's, people say it to me all the time, okay? All right, so you say, all right, so I am seen in the eyes of God, completely forgiven and perfect. There's nothing I have to do to make God love me more or less. There's, some, there's nothing I can do to make God to stop loving me more or less. And I'm going to one day be perfect as I'm meant to be perfect. So then what, why would I do good? Why would I follow these, why would I obey God at all if I'm already seen as being perfect and one day I'm just going to be perfect when I'm in heaven? What's my motivation to be good? What's my motivation to change? And if you're saying that, you have no idea what grace is. Because here's why. When, uh, two reasons. First, okay, just think about this. God has given everything so that he, you would be forgiven. It's cost him his son. It's cost Jesus Christ his life. He endured hell for it. And you say, oh my goodness, the gratitude that I have for what God has done for me is motivating me to live different. But here's what else it is. See, when someone becomes a Christian, they begin to be made of the stuff of heaven. All of a sudden, there's something inside of the Christian that they want to live different. Like there's these new desires. They have these desires that are actually given them. The desires of heaven are being put inside of the Christian now. And so now our desires become different. And we want to live the way that God's calling us to live. We don't have to do it. We just want to do it. So you say, okay, there's nothing for me to earn. I'm completely forgiven. I'm one day going to be perfect. But look at what God has done for me. And now there's something inside of me that wants to live a different way. And so you have these wants and these desires that have been reordered. That's what God does to us. That's what God does to the Christian. Okay, now, what does, now we got to ask, what does this feel like practically speaking? It feels like it's a battle. Because the Christian's going to sin a lot. You're looking at the person next to you like, yeah, they are. Okay, so here's what, here's what happens. We have these new desires. Actually, what happens is we start going a little bit crazy. Christians get a little bit weird sometimes, and here's why. Here, there's, it's very confusing because we have these new desires that we didn't have before. We want to live a different way, but we keep on sinning. And so here's the difference. Before, some sins might have made us happy. But for the Christian now, you sin, but you hate that you do it, but you're still going to sin. But they don't make you happy anymore, these sins. Heaven has been put within the Christian. Now, we want to live a different way, but we keep on sinning. But we want to live that way, but we keep on sinning. You see what's like, happening inside of us? We start going crazy a little bit. At least that's what happens to me. You want to become the version that you're meant to become, but you can't get there yet. But you're heading that way. Now, we've been telling a little bit of a story all the way through this series called Moxie, and each week we kind of progress through a little bit of the story. So I want to give you a summary of everything we set up until this point and then get to the story that's part of today. So imagine this. Imagine you live in a dystopia. Imagine you live in, in a place, in a city where hope is dead. And there are these evil slave masters and these evil warriors, and the evil warriors are ca capturing people, taking them to this place where the evil slave masters are bidding for them. And so it happens to you. Your house gets raided in the middle of the night. You and your family and your friends, you all get captured, and you get brought to this place, and you're put down, and people start, these evil slave masters start bidding on you, and you're bought, and you think, man, this is over. My freedom's gone. My identity is gone. 
Like everything is over, and then you're thrown in the back of this truck, and you're taken to this place, and everybody in the truck is weeping and crying, and then you pull up to the gates, and the gates open up, and you look around, and you are in shock. Because everybody there is happy, they're content, they're at peace, and there's an inner strength to them. And you get off of the truck, and you drop down, and you say, what is going on here? And you ask somebody, what's happened to this place? And they say, oh, you have been bought by the king of grace. He's been doing this for years, and he's rescued you, and he's brought you to this place because he bought you. And you're about to go meet him now. And so you go and you step up and you meet him and he has for you these new papers. And these new papers are papers of your freedom. But not just your freedom, they're papers of citizenship that you're going to have in another place. He says, I'm, I'm the king of this far off land and I've come here to get you. And he says, in that land, you have access to that land and you're not there yet. And once you get to that land, somehow, some way, you're going to pass through into this land and you're going to become perfect, but you're not perfect yet. But he says, now all of the stuff of that world, of that land, has been deposited into you, and now you have these new desires to live in this whole new way. And so you start like feeling what these desires start to feel like. And they're foreign to you, but they're new, they're different. And here, here's the point to all this. You are made of the stuff of heaven now, in Christ and your citizenship is in heaven, but you are still on the earth. And you're being pulled in two different directions because the world is fighting you. And the world does not want you to become who you're made to become. And so it begins to be a war. It begins to be a fight. It begins to be a battle here on the earth over you becoming who you're made to become. And it's incredibly frustrating and it's incredibly confusing. Here's what I mean. You sin, and you hate it. And then God says, it's okay. I love you. I accept you 100% no matter what. You are loved by me, and that love will not fade no matter what you do or no matter what you don't do. And he says, now let's go become who you're made to become. See, here's what's happening. God 100% accepts you just the way that you are right now. And he is 100% determined for you to become who you're made to become. And I'm telling you right now, that is the recipe for moxie. That is the recipe that's going to make you determined. You're going to feel loved. You're going to feel accepted. Everything that we need to motivate us, but then you have a God who's also with you and pushing you along to help you become who you're made to become. And by the way, parenting tip, like 100% accept your kids just the way they are and 100% be determined for them to become who they're made to become. That's right from the Bible. That's probably one of the best things that you can do as a parent is to do those two things. 100% love and accept them and be 100% determined for them to become who they're made to become. That's the stuff that gives you moxie. That's the stuff that's going to give your kids moxie. And it's only found in Christ. This, I mean, for even for you to learn how to do that, you've got to experience it before you can give it to your kids. And that's most, most of your problem because you're trying to go it alone. See, here's what you think. You think you became a Christian by faith, which is true. But then you think you grow as a Christian by trying harder. And you couldn't be more wrong. 
You do not grow as a Christian by trying harder. You go, grow as a Christian by simply going to Christ, giving, himself, giving yourself over to Him over and over and over again, more, more. There, there are parts of you that you are holding on to, that you are keeping away from Christ, and as soon as you begin to let those things go, you give Him access to you more, and then you become more and more of who you're made to become. And see, here's the thing. Like, He's ready for you to let go of this, how you're holding on to yourself to not, not let yourself go, and he wants you to let it go, let yourself go, and you're not doing it. And so what he's doing is he's putting things in your life that are making you do this and making you finally say, okay, God, you can have me. I give up. You have to realize you're running this race, but the version of you is at the end of the race. And here's what happens. You fall down on that track. It's not about you picking yourself up. I don't care what you hear on some motivational talk. This is not at all about you picking yourself up. This is about you letting Christ come and pick you up. And it's very, very different. This is about you like looking like a fool running in all these different wrong directions and you letting Christ come and teach you how you ought to be living, not the way that some guru says you should live, not the way some motivational speaker says you should live, but the way that Christ is teaching you to live. Because I'm going to tell you right now, no guru and no motivational speaker is coming out on that track with you, not the way that Christ can. And so you let him. And, and, and here's what else starts happening. Because here's the end version of you, and here's where you're at. And guess what God does, starts doing? He starts putting, putting hurdles on the track. And you're like, oh. like, God, what are you doing to me? Like, if you would just give me an easier life, I'd be such a better person. Here's the thing. The end version of you, though the end version of you will be in the perfect world and you'll never sin, the end version of you, had, it, had the end version of you been there where the hurdles, where you keep falling over them, had, had the end version of you been there in that moment when you're falling over, the end version of you would have jumped over that hurdle just fine. Here's what that's telling you. You're, you need to grow. You need to get stronger. There's a way to run that you don't yet understand how to run. And so God is putting hurdles there so you'll start learning to jump over the hurdles the way you're supposed to. Here's what's happening. You're growing. You're getting stronger. You're becoming the version of you you're meant to become. But it took some hurdles there. And what happens is you start getting mad at God for putting the hurdles there. And he's like, hey, this is, this, this is the good stuff. Like, this is where you're growing. This is where, and, and here's what else happens. So you fall and you hit, you're on the pavement and you're in pain. And this is where the sweet stuff happens. This is where you like really meet God because this is when you're on the ground. This is when God comes and meets with you right where you are. And this is where you have a moment where you're actually meeting Jesus in a real and authentic way. Not some way that you're studying from a distance where you're keeping him just a little bit away, but where you become desperate and you need him badly. And he becomes your only option. And that's when the good stuff happens. The life that you are choosing for yourself and the life that God will choose for you will be different because God's doing something in you that you don't have the courage to do. You would never pick that life for you. Why would you do that? Because you want to pick the easier road and Christ is picking the road that turns you into more and more of the real you. The hurdles are teaching you. In the book of James, it talks about this. He says, count it joy 
when you meet trials and sufferings of various kinds, because through it you're being refined. It's right there. Like, we don't want to suffer, we don't want the trials, but God, God is giving them to us as a gift to us because we, there, those trials and sufferings are preparing for us to become who we're made to become. And each, each day, we're growing just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And the world is lying to you and telling you to toughen up. The world is lying to you and say, you can do this on your own. Pick yourself up. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, that's, that's literally impossible to do. You cannot pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad, 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 stupid advice. What you need is someone to come and lift you up. And that's what Christ does. It's just the, whole, it's the whole point of Christianity. You know, there's a saying that God's not going to give you more than you can handle. That again, that's dumb because the whole point of Christianity is that you can't handle things. You can't handle rescuing yourself. You need a rescuer. So therefore, you need him. And when you finally go to him, that's when the real stuff starts happening. That's when you start experiencing real transformation. And, and, the, and the other thing is, look, you're not doing this alone. Look at what Paul says. He says, imitate me. So, in, in other words, there's other people out on the track with you. They're not racing against you, though. They're racing towards their goal, but they're racing, they're, they're running the race with you. Now, here's the point. Paul says, imitate me and imitate others who are like me. There's another place where Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. He's not saying, just do what I do. He's saying, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. I'm looking at Christ. Now, you look at Christ. So follow me because I'm further along than you are. Like, and that's good. We need people in our lives who are further along than us. And so Paul's like, that's me. Okay, so we follow Paul and we're watching what Paul does or other people like Paul. And when we do, we see what Paul's doing. And he's got his eyes fixed right on Christ. You know what? I skipped an important part and I can't miss that. All right, let's go back, because you need to know how this really plays out. So here's what happens for me. I sin, and I can't stop sinning. And then here's what happens, because I'm running along this race. I sin, and then I beat myself up. And Paul says, stop doing that. Look forward. And we fall, and we need Christ to pick us back up. And we trust in the forgiveness that we already have in Christ. Because here's what starts happening. We get on that track, and we start dwelling on our sin, and we don't want to get up. Because we feel like we're a failure. So what do we do? We still need to learn from our sins. But here's the thing. If we have complete forgiveness in Christ, guess what that means? We can fall down and we can know that we're fully loved and fully accepted and that gives us the strength and the desire to get back up because he's lifting us up. But guess what else that means? It means we can let him take us where we're supposed to go. We're made of different stuff than on the earth. The stuff of heaven. And so we learn from our sins because we know we have complete acceptance in him. 
And so guess what? That means we're free to fail out on that track. Like, you're beating yourself up too much about your sin. It's already all covered. But now, take a good look at what's happening because you're sinning. So, so for me, here's what happens. I sin, and it absolutely exhausts me. And then here's what starts happening. I define myself by my sin. And I start wrapping up my identity in my sin. And that's, that's wrong. I'm a new creation in Christ. Here's what that means. If you're a new creation in Christ, here's what that means. It's not you that's sinning. It's the old you, the old version of you that's sinning. The Bible's saying this over and over and over again. It's all over Romans 7. It's not you that's sinning. It's the old version of you that's sinning. You're a new creation now. Here's what that also means, though. When you don't sin, don't wrap your identity up in the fact that you're not sinning. Because then you start getting prideful. Here's the thing. It's always Christ who grows you. It's always Him. We have to remember that the version of me that we're meant to become, it's no help to you because here's what you start doing. You start doing this. You start looking at the version of you you're meant to become and you start beating yourself up about it. And you're saying, I'm not that person. I'm not that person. And all you're dwelling on is the fact that you're not that person. Here's what I would recommend you do. Look at the person you're meant to become. Then... Look at the version of you that you currently are and then spend the rest of your time looking at Christ. Because if you only look at the end version of you, you're going to feel like a failure because you're looking at the end version of you and you know what you really are. And you say, I'm not that. Take a look at you the way you are now. Take a look at what you will become and then spend the rest of your time looking at Christ. And let him lift you up when you're falling. Let him carry you when you can't move. But don't fall for the lie to toughen up. Okay, okay. Now, Paul, is what, Paul says, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. Okay, so here, here is the point here. Paul is saying, you need to find a Yoda. And he's saying, you need to be Yoda to someone else. In other words, you're not in this alone. We're all learning to follow Christ together. So every single one of you, you need a mentor here in this room. And every single one of you need to be a mentor to someone else in this room. We all need a Yoda. That's the point. This is, this is what, exactly what the church is supposed to be. We're all learning to follow Christ together. And we're out on that track and we're running and we keep messing up, but we're together. We're learning from each other as we're going. And, and by the way, this is exactly what our discipleship groups are about. And we're about to relaunch them. So I would say today, like if you're not, most of you are not in a discipleship group because we're relaunching them. So you say to the person, someone you know, hey, are you in a discipleship group? And they say, no. You say, oh, me neither. Let's start one. And if you're like, I don't know what a discipleship group is, that's okay. I'll tell you exactly what they are, and you're going to love them. And guess what the discipleship groups are all about? They're about being on the track together, figuring out how to become more and more and more of the person you're one day made to become. Together, relying on Christ through it all. Don't leave here without some sort of plan today. We're going to have sign-ups for you later, but do not leave here without some sort of plan of how you're going to get into a discipleship group. Unless, of course, you don't want to become the person you're made to become. I want you to. And, and 
here's how Paul ends this sermon, or ends his, ends his words, talking about our citizenship is in heaven. So Paul says, from heaven we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Christ is our rescuer who has come, but he's not yet fully come. You get that? He's come, but he's not yet fully come. And it's the same thing why you are perfect, but you're not yet fully perfect, because you're waiting to the, for the day when he returns to make all things right. And this is one of those things. It's like, okay, I'm hoping that this is true, but it seems so far off, and I'm moving more towards the doubt area because, man, this is so like, Jesus is going to make all things right. Like, that's really something that's going to happen. Like, or do we just die and become this floating soul around in heaven singing like these cheesy Christian songs? Or is there really like something for us to do? And the answer is yes, Christ, the ultimate end goal of Christianity is Christ returning here upon the earth, all of us together, brand new like bodies as we are meant to have, Meaning, if you've been in a wheelchair all your life, you take a bat to that wheelchair because you're no longer in it. It means if you've walked with a limp, you no longer walk with a limp. It means if you're old and you have wrinkles, the wrinkles are gone. There's no more hurting, death, or pain. That's, what we're, that's our end. And it doesn't happen until he comes in all of his glory. Now, here's your story from beginning to end. Here's how it goes. You're out on that track, and the end version of you is over here, and you're running that way. You're not running towards being a citizen of heaven. You're running towards being a citizen of death. This is the story of Christianity. It's the story of humanity. Running the wrong way, running away from God. And so here's what happens. Christ comes and lays all of his glory aside. Christ comes out on the track and he runs the wrong way. And he lays down all of his glory so that he can run out on the track, run here to this place where we are, into this world. And he runs upon the track and he runs to get you and you are standing there before a cross because you, here's what the Christian realizes right before they become a Christian. They run right up to the cross and they realize what they've just run into. And they see, this is my destiny, this cross before me. I've just run to my death. And then Christ comes right up to you. And he said, this is how much I love you. And he climbs up upon the cross. And on the cross he dies. For us running in the wrong direction. For us, he, he takes the death that was coming to us. And then he hands us these new papers where we're citizens of heaven. And then we're standing there with these papers, citizens of heaven, and we're like, oh, this is really cool, but I don't know what to do with this, and I don't know how to get there, and I don't know where to go. And then we feel a tap on our shoulder behind us, and it turns out Christ has risen from the dead. And he says, come on. Let's go get the real you. And he said, there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering along the way. There's going to be trials, and it's going to be hard, but I'm going to be with you the whole entire way. And I'm going to be with you even through the worst of it, even through death. And we're going to pass through it, and you're going to come out on the other side to your true homeland, where there you will finally meet the real you. Father, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that you have come and you have sought us out. You've come out on the track to get us. We thank you you haven't left us on our own. 
running in the wrong direction, but you've come and pursued us. You've died in our place. You've risen, and now you're taking us to where we are meant to be. And until we get there, God, we pray that you would teach us how to live in this strange world where we are 100% accepted, but you are 100% determined to make us who we're meant to be. And God, as we struggle along the way, I pray, God, that we would not fall for the lie that it's up to us, but we would rely fully 100% on you. God, don't let us, don't let us rely on ourselves anymore, God, please. God, we pray that you would force us, that you would put whatever hurdle is needed, necessary. God, give us the courage to pray this prayer and say to you, God, God, give whatever I need in my life so that I will fully come to you 100%. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.